0: Hello and welcome to the DJ Force 10 in conversation podcast episode 154. This is another one of my DJ specials, so welcome cut master swift to the show today um absolute damn legend uh in the turntablist community in england and uh we find out like his history in this one it's an absolute fantastic chat i'm a massive fan i've got records of his that he released like break records battle records that he released back in the day and um yeah it was absolutely great speaking to him there's a bit of real life going on in the background in this uh, episode just to let you know because i did catch him at his house late one evening so um we've got real life going on so if you hear that or you hear my dog barking or whatever that's what's going on because it's late in the night <laughs> um but no i just want to give a shout out to all the djs so far that i've had on the show I- i'd Rob dj rob swift and dilly last week absolutely fantastic show before that I had jesse cage from the states uh, again fantastic check out first match his podcast Absolutely brilliant. Um, released a new one actually yesterday, and uh, it's Mickey James on this one, um, which I haven't actually listened to yet, uh, but I will be doing uh, shortly after recording this. So, um,. Yeah, and uh, before that, sorry, DJ Rasp and DJ Woody, um, both fantastic DJs, both fantastic conversations, and uh, including this one. And I've got another great one next week, and uh, hopefully I'm going to try and continue this every Friday, or at least every other Friday, with a DJ special of some kind. Uh, I'm reaching out to a lot of the people that I used to um, watch and listen to and, and admire, and some new guys as well, trying to get some of those on, get their perspective on where they came from, because I'm sort of chatting to all the old school heads at the moment. And uh, wouldn't mind getting hearing the voices of the new ones, so um, I am reaching out to these guys and trying to get uh, more, uh, you know, more DJs on here because that's what I want to do, and more DJs from the different worlds of DJ, not just turntablists. Obviously, um, I had Jesse Cage on a couple of weeks ago with uh, radio. Um, it was kind of like his US radio, rock radio, and, and general top forty radio sort of stuff we had on there. And uh, I'm reaching out to like club DJs. I'm reaching out to other radio DJs. I'm reaching out to all kind of manner of djs that 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 have a history uh within the industry and have some you know maybe some good tips to sort of pass on but it's always good getting their sort of like origin story and how that sort of came to be and all that kind of stuff which is what i really like about uh this this particular show as well um we really did get to the bottom of, of of where he came from and you know where he's at now so um without much further ado i present to you Cutmaster swift enjoy I'd like to welcome to my show this week, I have a very special guest, I have Cutmaster Swift, welcome sir.
1: Thank you for having me, Abs- pleasure.
0: Absolutely my pleasure man, absolutely my pleasure. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. welcome to the show first and foremost, and um, yeah, I've been a long time uh, fan of yours. I think i should say oh. um i've been i'm gonna kiss your ass for a little bit now uh
1: <laughs> not that long time or well, not that old not that prehistoric.
0: well we get, we can go back as far as uh probably late 90s i think with this one okay, okay. maybe mid 90s yeah. no mid 90s i think it was uh yeah I, I was a, i was a little mini scratch dj at like 15 16
1: yeah, and uh, uh look at you showing off
0: yeah i know <laughs> I know. I wasn't very good still not very good um but uh yeah no i was um basically like watching dmc videos and and, right. and seeing you perform um mm. i've even still got uh, a couple of your battle breaks records
1: oh yeah yeah they are a few of them around.
0: they are crackling and popping all over the place <laughs>
1: good good that's what they're supposed to be like yeah that's a, that's a well-trained dj there then
0: that is yeah yeah <laughs> and it's all chipping on the edges stickers all over it pen all over <laughs> it um but no i'll go go all that sort of stuff and then um yeah i got to see you perform a couple of times in person uh at the bpm show um okay, when it was yeah. at the the big arena one um yeah. And then uh, back in 2017, I just, because I moved out of the country and then I came back and I went to BPM that year. It was the last year they had it at the, uh, the big arena in Birmingham um mm. and you and rasp were doing a uh, dj rasp was doing a um like a master class oh, thing. Thing. Yeah,
1: yeah 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 one of the domes or if you want to call it that yeah those, those
0: weird tent things uh, Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um but yeah no you guys were like doing stuff and then and then you asked for volunteers to come up and i just my hand just shut up for some reason it's not something <laughs> i'd normally do um and i ended up joining you guys it's on the a stage small for... world i know i know <laughs> but joining you for a little scratch which was great um yeah. and uh, i i shared that story with dj rasp as well a couple of weeks ago when i chatted to him so um Great. it's it's cool it's kind of coming around and you know uh yep. and and sort of doing this but no i just want to say i was a long time fan uh like i said i've still got these records and i still use them today <laughs> i mean they are battered but you know <laughs> i'm i've got i've got little home sets that i do and stuff like that and, so and
1: you're a vinyl purist then you you haven't bitten into the dvs realm yet oh no
0: i have got dvs as okay. well. Um I, I love my is vinyl it,
1: compromising it, it is,
0: it is. I've still got I've still got my uh twelve tens. They're set up, they're actually right next to me right now. And oh, cool. um I'm on them pretty much every day, uh, good, so, good. <laughs> but I, I use a combination of, of of battle vinyl, like the ones I've got of yours, and I've got a couple of mm. Q-Bert ones, a couple of DJ Swamp ones, uh, yeah. Richie Rough Tone stuff like that. Um,
1: You're doing good.
0: Yeah, yeah, I, they're, they're expensive, <laughs> but you know, uh, it's the needles that I worry about. You see, because they don't they don't make the shores anymore. So yeah,
1: yeah, something <laughs> we've all had to face. Yeah, yeah I mean, yeah. I've
0: I've swapped to Tonar ones, which aren't too bad. So you know, they're about half the price prices what the shores were and yeah. you know they're about half as good so but they do for now they do for now but i've also got phase and tractor so oh, okay i kind of i kind You're of jo-
1: short then oh, well, or two. well <laughs> uh, yeah
0: the, the credit card oh, well, You blagged. now the credit card was uh was nice to me that day
1: I'll <laughs> let the missus
0: know no 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 she doesn't listen to this it's fine um uh, <laughs> She's going to listen to this one now. I know it. Um, but no, it was a uh, uh, yeah. No, it was a purchase I made a couple of years or say a year and a half ago uh, mm. for the phase that is. I've had tractor for. Well, what I've made actually...
1: you try phase it? What you just take an liking to it, or you just was well, mm, that could be very hand- handy. It
0: was it was a combination of both. I had a go with it at one of the mm. trade shows, um, mm. the the one actually at the Newbury Racecourse. With DJ Kip. Yep, yeah, I remember that one. Yep. That's the um, last
1: one I think we've all done, isn't it? I think
0: it was. I, I was I was doing, like, I was with the Portabliss crew there. Yeah. With a little portables. Yeah, port- yeah, port- yeah, yeah.
1: Tables. I saw all you guys jamming away, and yeah. I was invited, and I said, I, I'd love to, but I was stuck in the corner, and we were, we were broadcasting, as well as um, having a stand, and... Ah believe it or not my duties at dmc go a lot beyond just being a scratch dj which a lot of people just seem to don't want to don't acknowledge you know but hey there you
0: go no we'll, we'll get on to that i know you are working for those as well so um but yeah no i know you guys were right down the other side of the arena weren't you um yeah yeah
1: that's right yeah. We were down in the corner yeah and the demo, bro.
0: yeah and I, I saw i saw like uh, a phase there um and i was Ooh. like this this could be really useful so i sort of I hadn't bought anything DJ related for a while, like hardware wise. Wow,
1: you're disciplined.
0: Yes. Yeah. Well, very tight leash. And, um, but this was my day out, you see. So, uh, yeah. and, and I, I decided to treat myself with Phase, and I've been really happy with them, to be honest with you. I've, I've used yeah. them for like DJ sets and I've used them for scratch, like routines and stuff. And, you know, yeah. bar the sort of like minor, sort of like drift issues they're still having, they've been totally solid, like, um, like battery wise and all the kind of other stuff that, you know, people were worried about, but, um, no, I mean, Does
1: it feel a bit weird not having no interaction with the phone arm. I've never used it's... them. I've only seen, you know, people like Jazzy Jeff use them and yeah. everyone I've seen use them have highly rated with them. Rated them, And, you know, I, I just think it's so amazing how technology is just now l- l- so progressive yeah. and leading the way as such. It's yeah. encouraging DJs. And, um, you know, I'm, I'm not scared of technology. I never have been. Because I, I believe if you understand the equipment, you can always take it to to your advantage yeah and and, and, and do do new I look at things new things as new challenges i don't yeah. look at it as a lazy way of saying right I don't, don't have to carry any I don't have to know my records anymore no more you know I can I can feel everything on a USB stick um, you know yeah, which is impossible. Yeah. Uh, you know, you're
0: you only limited by the knowledge you have. No, no, totally, totally. And I, I DJ with USB sticks. <laughs> like, mm. uh, I DJ a rock club, so, in, in, mm. in where I live. And um, it, they've got, like, a couple of CDJs set up. And rather than take sort of, like, my CDs with me, I've got yep. USB sticks that just plonk right in there. And yep. I've got everything that I need on them. So, you know, when you're DJing something like that, generally you don't need, you know, the complete interaction with the waveform, if you will. But, um. You know, yeah, you just need to know knowledge of what you're playing. That's all.
1: Well, um, yeah, knowledge of what you're playing and and the appropriate type of venue it is that you're playing to. Yeah. Because you know, like you, you know, i I rarely um, take turntables out because there's no need now. Everyone knows what what the requirements are. Yeah. So you know, I do mainly insist on techniques because that's what I've I've got and that's what I use. But I'll quite happily use. The best hats, even though they're not around anymore, mm. I haven't messed around with the pioneers. But as far as I'm concerned, with turntables, they only get to do two things, and that's have a good talk start, yeah, and not skip. You know, yeah. the rest. Yeah, is 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 it's just down to your skill level.
0: Yeah, no, and, that's um, exactly it.
1: You know, and I think it, you know, where I was very hesitant when the CDJ things came on, and, and you know, I was encouraged to try. it. And when I tried, I went, wow. Can't believe it! This really does feel right. It, it sounds right as well, and I was quite impressed. And since then, you know, with the whole DVS thing when it first took off, I don't know if people actually remember the unit called um, Final Scratch, which I've, was by Stanton.
0: I've got one on my shelf in front of me right now.
1: There you go. And it was on a Linux system, if you remember. It, it was wasn't Windows. Yep. It wasn't Mac. It was Linux. Yep. And I, 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 I took a chance and I invested in it because I could see the benefits of back in the days, you was always limited to what you had in your crate. Yeah. So you had to pick that stuff very selectively. And as you know, DJs like myself have to walk around with two copies. So you're you're even less, got less more of a collection. Yeah. So it really (laughs) relied on my manipulation of the music I picked out to carry me for the two hours spot, maximum spot. Yeah. I would, probably, would have ever had to play at. And, you know, one time I got on the plane, and when I got off that plane, my records weren't there. Amen. And I just said, um, that's never happening to me again. It's, you know, that really ups- annoyed me a lot. Yeah. You know, I wasn't even compensated by the airline. No. Fortunately enough, the promoter was cool enough, and the DJ who let me play, use his records, was obviously a bit flattered that I used his records. But Jesus, man, you know, <laughs> your, your records are part, are part of, the, uh, again, an extension of you. Yeah. So the records weren't marked the way I would mark them. And again, I had to be aware that I'm a, I could be I could be abusing people's vinyl because this is vinyl times. yeah. And as you know, records get worn out. They but, do. Um, yeah, I, I, like I said, I'm, not, I, I'm very um, adaptable to technology. I, I look at it as uh, just a further challenge and a further extension of, 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 of what's possible.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, same here. So I was an early adopter of Final Scratch. Um, I, like I mm. said, I've got the box in front of me. It was version one point one, which was <laughs> the one after yeah, yeah, the first yeah, one. Yeah, yeah. Um, one, with the hockey puck sound sound uh, sound card and all that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah. yeah, and then then I bought. Um, I think it was probably about ten years ago. Or so no, I stayed with Tractor. Uh, oh, I got, okay, I got because yeah,
1: the Tractor then came in the yeah. The- didn't
0: they really they did i got tractor scratch pro mm. uh with the audio 8 which yeah. still, which is still working now that's what i've got set up with my system here um because i've got yeah. i've got two yeah. turntables basic two-channel mixer um you know and and i've got a lot of cables hanging around <laughs> that's the only downfall of this setup there's a <laughs> lot of cables uh one day i'll You're uh...
1: doing well then
0: oh yeah no i've not like jumped onto like every sort of like dvs mixer or anything like that although they would be nice um, but uh, it's just sort of like I've sort of adopted little bits of technology yeah. here and there Rather than sort of jumping I got picked up of dices And I got um, like back in the day I used to like, I got the uh, CD Vestac CD players These like CDXO5s And little platters on them and stuff um, But they got this little attachment Called the TCM1 okay. That you put on the edge of your turntable And it had like a, right. a wheel That you would put mm. on your vinyl And then yeah. you could manipulate your vinyl And it would manipulate that CD so you'd be scratching oh. back and forth, okay. and it would scratch the CD. Okay. So it was like a primitive, very
1: inventive work.
0: Yeah, it was at, that. was actually made by Tascam, the adapter. Okay. Weirdly enough, um, mm. but yeah, no, it's just it's a funky little oh. thing that I've I've still got now. It still works. I just I just saw that as a sort of like a real primitive phase. So <laughs> it was like the old the old mouse with the yeah. ball in it and stuff.
2: Yeah, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it's exactly what it's like. <laughs> But no, it's it's quite cool. Some little bits of technology here and there, yeah. and and you know the turntables have, have have remained. That's the only thing that hasn't changed really. When well, I got a Vestax yeah, turntable as well, yeah. but that was purely for touring with. But yeah, no, no, it's just like the okay. main core of it was uh, was um, you know the Technics. So that is all. It is, yeah, it is all good. And right now it's like you know you can, obviously your MacBook and everything. And yeah. What I want to do, man, if you don't mind, is sort of go back, sort of get your um, uh, origin story, if you will, um, of how you got Chill. into, this, into this, this crazy business they call DJ, because um, that's the sort of nature of the show that I'm running at the moment. Mm. Like I said, I was chatting to a few guys already, and I just want to sort of like get to know where you got, where you came from, because and, and, obviously you got to the sort of like upper echelon, DMC world champion, stuff like that. Um, I just want to know, you know, kind of where it yeah. started and how you got to that point.
1: Right. Well, pretty much, um, my parents are Jamaican and music was always around in the house, really, Mm. as as far as I could ever remember. But my dad, um, who was a carpenter at the time, he actually built a sound system with his uh, other carpenter friend. And they actually formed a a little sound system called B&M Hi-Fi. And they were doing like a lot of parties. Nurses. My mum was a nurse, and just little little house parties because that's what they that's what they had back then. Yeah. Um, when I really acknowledged what was going on, all I remember is my dad just building his own speaker cases, uh, uh, wiring valve amps and stuff like that. And that stuff just used to fascinate me, mm. if you know what I mean. Yeah. And it was pretty much my dad just giving me his old records and started me off with what we call a gramophone. If you imagine what a gramophone is to people who don't know, that's yeah. a very old word. It's not the wind-up thing that you see in the museums. <laughs> it was pretty much uh, 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 a system that had a radio and a, a, a platter that could stack seven inches and they would fall one by one down yeah. and play yeah. automatically. It was that kind yeah. of thing, and that's what my dad gave me. I've got a picture somewhere. I've got to find it one day um, <laughs> when I'm, like, DJing in his lap. Nice. About, ooh, about maybe five, something like that age. Yeah. And pretty much it was just – that's what spurred my interest, music and electronics. Um, it wasn't only – when hip-hop initially hit the UK and caught my attention mm. – because there was always things on late at night, like your little soul train and that there was not these were not peak hour t v yeah. it was late at night t v and you and you literally had to sneak in to to to, to see these things and catch them and uh, and there wasn 't really anything on the radio because radio again was quite limited but um all I remember is that the media caught onto um the New York scene. Which was break dancing, pretty much. That grabbed the, the attention of everybody. Yeah. You just saw these acrobatic dudes doing these crazy moves and spinning or yeah. <laughs> whatever. And um, it was a Malcolm McLaren video that really sparked my initiation to want to investigate what was later to become knowledge to, to me as hip hop. Cool. You know? Yep. And it, 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 the video inco- incorporated everything. It incorporated the Rocksteady Crew, a well established B Boy outfit with a female. Yeah. And um, they also had the world famous Supreme Team, who were actually emceeing on the track and they also scratched on the track. Oh. And it was literally them scratching this seven inch record, and you just heard the wah, 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 wah. wah, wah and it was like, wow, this is amazing. <laughs> so from that, pretty much, I went you 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 literally had you remember this is no there's no internet, there's no Google. Yep. Everything you found out, you you either found out by Chinese tales or people telling you stuff or hearing stuff or someone knowing someone. That's how you found out stuff back in the days. Yeah. And literally it was Grandmaster's Flashes, Adventures of the Wheels of Steel that really opened my mind up to hip-hop DJing, nice. which is scratch mixing. Yeah. Um, there was no video of what I heard, but I visioned what he was doing, and I recognized the records, because there were records my parents had, like Cheap Good Times. Mm. Um, and obviously there was a lot of vocals being thrown in and thrown out. So, by acknowledging what crashed is to that record, and, I, and at that time, if you remember, I had a very basic s- system. Yeah. I literally worked out from stories and things you just heard about these the records that he was using. I thought, how can I get involved in this? And literally... I took to my mum's um, hi-fi system. because now we moved from gramophones to hi-fi.
0: Uh-huh.
1: <laughs> this is like early eighties. Yep. Very early eighties. Um, literally, I started pause button using the pause button to extend the groove of of of, of what was going on because this is I didn't know about crossfaders. I didn't. I didn't. I, I only saw what I saw on Buffalo Girls, which was a very limited look, you know. And yeah. back then, they didn't have a video recorder, so you saw things when it came on the TV, when it whenever it did. Mm. But um, yeah, from Paul's button mixing, I then started finding out about pirate radio stations like LWR Invicta. Victor. There's quite a few others I can't remember, so I apologise for that. I've got the (laughs) tapes somewhere. Who plays tapes? What are (laughs) those? But um, yeah, through through the radio and pirate radio, when we're talking about pirate radio in blocks of flats, and yeah, uh, you know, with limited ranges of 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 where they could broadcast, you found out about the movement. You found out about mixes. um, You found out about. um, events, you just found out. Yeah. Now you got to remember again, I was still in my teens. What I then did, what I managed to do by collecting and recording everything that was on the radio, just everything that came out. Mm. And then you found out about record shops and record stores. You, you literally just went to record stores. And, and at that point there was no really recollection of a, a club scene or anything because, like I said, we're in our teens, yeah. So, <laughs> you know, he wasn't old enough to go to clubs, yeah. But, um, basically, um, eventually, I went to a, a, a community center called Patmore Estate. I don't know how I found out about this night or <laughs> club night, what we put on, and I met two people that literally informed me, that changed my direction of just being in my bedroom. I must also add, at that time, this is the early 80s, because Buffalo Girls came out roughly 82. Yeah. Um, I picked up on the B-boy because of my brother. My brother picked up on it very, very quickly. So it was easier to try out break dancing because all you needed was some floor space. <laughs> but, you know, again, at that time, there was no knowledge of equipment. But I knew music from my parents' collection and what I listened to the radio. Yeah. Anyway, um, going to this place called Patmore State, which is South London, Battersea, yep. I met two people. I met One was a DJ by the name of Cosmic Jam and one was a person who later on became a, a very inspirational and still very um, pivotal person in the scene called Rodney P. And they told me pretty much that you know, I was like, what? you know this is the first time I saw Scratch mixing actually now being performed in front of my face because oh. at that time it was just radio mixes and um TV. Yeah. and um, Cos- Cosmic's equipment was obviously a lot more better than mine, although it wasn't the authentic twelve hundreds as we know, they to become very knowledgeable of- and um, yeah, they told me, look, if you really want to see this in its entirety, you need to go to you need to go to somewhere called Covent Garden. So I was like, Covent Garden. OK, I've heard of Covent Garden. That's where they do a lot of exhibitions and, yeah. you know, street buskers and stuff. So I went to Covent Garden, which I would say was roughly around 83. And when I went there, um, it was just. There was just loads of people like myself standing in amazement and watching people. Nice. And at that time, a UK crew by the name of Sidewalk were like the first real organized crew I saw to the, to, a, to a performance level and getting media attention. Yeah. And they had a b-boy in there called Dolby D and there he was, you know, someone I saw on TV now in the flesh, you know, looking dapper <laughs> to the nines with all the track suit you know and everything and um yeah i i literally was just flabbergasted by what i saw at covent garden i went back when i got back home i told my brother i told my mates about it (laughs) and pretty much every other music influence prior to that got shelved overnight you know because grow coming up at that time I was pretty much listening to sound system tapes and little exposure you used to get on the radio from people like Rodigan, and you know they used to have sound clashes on, on, on played on, on on his show,
2: hmm.
1: and um, he used to drop dub plates and stuff like that. Nice. And then there was a soul jazz scene, which which again I was too young to go to the club, so I didn't really witness in its entirety. Although there was people that we knew that were older than us that were in those places. And they were showing us, you know, certain moves, jazz moves and stuff. Yeah. And, you know, you're talking about boogie and, and all sorts of music then, but li- literally overnight, all those music, you know, as great as they were, were shelved for this new movement called hip hop.
0: Nice.
1: So pretty much I was down Covent Garden. And funny enough, I had the name Cutmaster Swift from then, okay. <laughs> but no one kind of twigged because I was a b boy, and I and I got quite popular from a certain move called windmills that made people acknowledge me as a b boy at the time. Nice and um, and you know I had this name Cutmaster Swift, but a lot of people thought it was very long. <laughs> <laughs> and I never, I was never really DJing until later on. Um, what actually happened? Clubs started to form in the in the in the shape of a club called Spats, okay. and that was a lunchtime event in in Oxford Street. And um, it it was initially started up by an MC group called the Family Quest, and DJ Fingers, who we might later known, was yeah. in a group called the Syndicate. Yeah. He was in a, another group called Mix Masters. I think it was him and this other guy. I can never remember this other guy's name. So <laughs> again, if you ever if you ever report this back, I apologise for not being <laughs> knowledgeable in everyone's names. We're talking thirty plus years. I was going to say it's a while but, um, ago, man. So it's all good. <laughs> it's a while ago. It's a while ago. Yeah, you know, I, I could barely remember next last week, let alone what's going on now. Thirty years ago, but um, yeah. And in Spats, it was a very small club it was a lunchtime event because like i said it was most of us are in our teams yeah um westwood actually made an appearance there okay um he was on one of the pirate radio shows i um, think it's LWR and um he used to play at spats i think he, he kind of took it over from the family quest um you know he'd advertise it on the on the on his the, on the show and a lot of people started going there and it was funny because you're just talking about, originally, Covent Garden was like a neutral ground yeah. for South, East, West, and North people to go and just be be present to whatever was going on. Yeah. You know? And, like I said, it was pretty much neutral. Um, obviously, some people had incidents, but I was one of the fortunate, you know, <laughs> for whatever reason. I, I I'd somehow like I said, because of my dancing skill and my knowledge of music, I was kind of cool with the DJs as well as the dancers. Okay, so um, that's good. <laughs> that's how I kind of, yeah, made made my path. And, uh, you know, sometimes West would have these little dance competitions and I uh, even one time won one, you know, 50 quid at that time, which was quite a lot of money yeah. back then. But um, um, it was actually spats. We used to go spats and then we used to go to Covent Garden. But it was at Spats where I met up with a a, a, a DJ at Westwood invited to mix on his show. He asked for DJs to send in mixtapes and whatever. So he's like, if you've got some skills, send some in. And this guy, by the name of Imperial Mixer, actually reproduced uh, a, a, a a part performance of a, of a set by Grand Mixer DST, was known at the time. Yeah, And... I was like, wow! How is he? How is he able to do that so accurately and, you know, you know, perfect, almost like so of of the original. And I met him at the at Spats, and I was surprised to find out that this guy lived pretty much not too far from here. I lived Battersea near Battersea Park, and he lived more going up towards Clapham Junction, still okay. South of London. Still, yeah. and I was like, wow! At this time, I didn't, I didn't. You didn't know of anyone in your area as such. There was no advertisement like, I'm the baddest DJ in the area. There were no block parties as <laughs> such yeah. to, 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 to meet people. So we all met at, 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 in the same area, Spats or Common Garden. So upon meeting Imperial Mixer, and again talking to him and him knowing me as a b-boy, I somehow convinced him, me and this other guy, by the way, I forgot to mention him. He's very important. Called Robert Fudor. Fru- He's actually a D- uh, drummer, professional drummer. He's okay. drummed Courtney Pine and that, but at that time, he was still drumming. But he w- ha- also had an interest in music, and, and he had he, he actually had he was the first person I saw with a Technics SL twelve hundred. And I had nothing, you know. Yeah, I had some BS belt-driven disco. Girard turntables and I had a mixer by Phonic um, wow. which was a quite prolific uh, brand at that time um, it didn't have no monitoring it didn't even have a power supply and I built all these bits into it I built my own monitoring in it I went to Edgeware Road and bought a little preamp kit and worked out to wire this thing in because like I said I had interest in it Johnny. yeah so when I met these guys these guys were a step above me just by equipment you know yeah so <laughs> i was like i need to be down with these guys because these guys know what you know 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 what you know know have got the tools and they know this they got a, a better skill set than me and because we collectively bonded together in that capacity and i knew my m- new music and i knew what we call later to become brave beats. yeah you know i could because i had my knowledge of that when we teamed up together the Imperial Mixers was formed. Um, and basically that was there was a four-man team, it was me, Cutmaster Swift, Robbie Wiz, Robert Forger, Imperial P, the Imperial Mixer, and his brother Cutting K. Nice. And also Robert knew of two females that were interested in rapping. Um and you know, we heard them rapping, and when we used to play out, they used to rap when we were playing out. And they said, yeah, you girls are good, man. You should become our DJs. And they were part of a a girl, I won't call it gang, but a group of girls called the Warm Milk and Cookie Crew. Nice. And we was <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, and it was a, a, about eight of them or something. And um, it was Debbie and Susan, their names, and obviously if you know about the wool milk and cookie crew, if you shorten that down, you've got two females who are, I said are rappers. It's quite obvious. They became, they were the cookie crew. Yeah. They became the cookie crew. So they were our initial MCs and, you know, they, they flattered me and Robbie extremely well because one of their first raps they wrote, they actually featured our names in their raps. And, um, there was a little competition at the Wag Club that Westwood did in, in West End. Everything's West End-based. Yeah. And they won that competition. And, you know, they did that rap with me and Robbie in it. And, you know, everyone's like, whoa, when they heard our <laughs> names because obviously they knew who we were as well. And, um, yeah, that's how I kind of got the hip-hop bug. And um, it was the, it was the Imperial Mixers that made me, gave me the opportunity, shall I say, to yeah. pursue DJ through using proper equipment, because Imperial Mixer had two SL-1200s. Robbie had one, and a Tandy mixer with a crossfader. Imperial Mixer had a a Foddy mixer without a crossfader. It only had up and downs. My mixer I had only had up and downs. So we put all this gear together and managed to make it work. Nice. And one of the things that got the Imperial Mixer's attention, really, was that Imperial's cousin went to the States. And we used to have mixtapes come back from the states and West we used to play them as well. A DJ by the name of Wizkid, mm. um, Jazzy J, uh, Bambata's tapes, and all sorts of things. Yeah, and they were playing certain predominant breakbeats. You know, like the Apache and the Champ, and so forth. I Can't Stop by John Davis and the Monster Orchestra, and these records. Obviously, there are old records that we. You'd be very lucky to find them. You know, yeah. or, or just even know what they were. Yeah. There was books starting to come out about hip hop, and you used to hear, "Oh yeah, this is Grandmaster Flash's um, break breakbeats list" or something like that. And that's how we kind of collected breaks. And but one thing about breaks, breaks became code names from either part of the phrase of the break you used to hear, or just DJs naming them code names anyway because they didn't want people to know their breaks. Yeah, it's like covering so, the labels um, and stuff as well. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) But I kind of missed that. Uh, uh, An important part is that Cookie Crew was so instrumental in helping me get my DJ groove on because they they, Rocksteady Crew came over one time uh, very early in the 80s and they were dancing in Earl's Court uh, Plaza. Plaza, yeah, plaza. Yeah. It's gone now, they've knocked the building down, turned it into a block of laps. But, um, <laughs> that's the original plaza where everyone does their light shows and that. In those court, this was, yeah. And, um, literally, Panasonic sponsored Rock's crew to come over and they brought over a DJ by the name of Africa Islam. And after Rock and the Cookie Crew went and saw them perform, and Africa Islam must have t- 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 taken a liking to the Cookie Crew and he gave them. His, he gave him his slip mats and a breakbeat, and a breakbeat record. Wow. Which, you know, this record was one of, you know, pinnacle re- break that he used to cut up back in the day. Yes. I was like, wow, how, you know, I'm really surprised. And the cookie crew gave it to us. And this record was Samba Soul by um, Samba It's um Musquerade but I can't pronounce the bloody name of it. <laughs> I should know by art because I put it on breakbeat albums as well. by by a group called Samba Soul and it was a 12 inch and the 12 inch is the one with a full break and his one said not for sale, it was a promo they gave us, just one copy though and they gave me slip mats and the slip mats I thought I didn't know but they must have been sponsored by a a manufacturer or DJ shop called Squires back in the day and these slip mats were really nice felt mats, really thin really speedy and Nice design. And he gave it to them. And again, he, he, they gave them to us. And that just, you realize, wow, having a certain tool set changed your, your DJ dynamics tremendously. So, But going back to what I was the store I was going to tell you about um, Imperial's cousin going to the States, he went to a record store called Music Battery. And this store had everything. Mm. and he picked up something that we didn't realize at the time called Octopus Breakbeats. had an octopus on it with these legs falling out, holding records, and he picked up Volume 1, Volume 7, and Volume 4. Nice. But he had quite a few volumes he picked up and gave us. And these volumes had, Volume 7 had I Can't Stop, so we had that beat. Um, volume One had Black Grass, another great popular breakbeat for B boys. He literally, and Eamon Brother as well, by the Winston's. He literally gave us those records, and we had those those records put Imperial Mixers on the map because all of a sudden we had the breaks that the that that came to us on these overdub mixtapes, worn out. And we, you, you heard the clarity of the record in the entirety of the record. Mm. So we used to play everywhere. We used to play in quite a lot of B-boy things and Westwood used to um, have us as these light backup DJs as such. And that's how Imperial Mixers became more popular because Westwood would put on jams and there was Imperial Mixers cutting up these breaks. And when we showed those breaks to other DJs like Cosmic Jam, then they went and sent people to the stage to go and pick up their them copies of open <laughs> breakbeats and they and some of them had different volumes that we had and then what literally happened because that gave us an advantage over most djs later on Optimus breakbeats there was another breakbeats out as well called paul whitney breakbeats and they were like bootlegs they were really bad quality records and some had hits on them it's like someone took some other djs records pressed them on another record <laughs> and they were really low quality and everything but they had they had a couple of beats on there and you know you, you it was pretty, pretty much ultimate break beats and poor Windley breaks and yep. if you had poor windy breaks only you was called a poor dj but if you had ultimate break beats you was pretty much the man and <laughs> um, literally um it was those breaks that put us on the map like i said and um literally re- pretty much overnight um what changed my impression of being a, a real committing fully to scratch DJing? Because at this time, I still didn't have bets. We're going into mid eighties now, five. Mm. And, um, we was playing in Brixton doing a, uh, a, 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 some kind of in, in a community center or gym or YMCA, something like that. It was, you know, it wasn't a club. Yeah. And, um, we was playing them, cutting up rates, and Imperial got talking to some American guy, and um, he's going, "Yeah, you know, I'm from Philadelphia, and uh, you know, I, yeah, I like what you guys are doing. You know, you guys are, you know, are nice what you're doing, but you know, we got a, a, a style that um, I've got a style that I think you'll appreciate." I was like, "Okay," so Imperial said, "Okay, look, so here's my." Here's my address. Come down to my house. <laughs> you can tell <laughs> this is the 80s because you would just do that to a pair of straight would you? Um, <laughs> you know, come, come to my house and let's see what you can do. So they told me about this guy. I said, okay, okay. I, I, I was one of the people, people. I must say this about me, and it's, it, it stands true to today. When I'm on the turntables, I miss everything because I've got no vision. I've got blind vision. My vision is strictly on the decks. I'm focused on what I'm doing. I'm not doing, I don't care if the queen came by. I'm on my decks, you know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm doing my thing. <laughs> and nothing's pulling me off of those. I missed all this conversation, really, if realistically. But we, 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 I said, okay, let's go. That, this guy's coming over. So we was like, you know, what's this Philly Delphine guy going to show us? Because at that point, it was all about New York. New York DJs were our influences. Whiskey, yeah. Jazzy J, Red Alert, you know, all those kind of DJs. That's, what, that's the only DJs we heard about. So anyway, this guy turns up at Peel's house. And the first thing he does, he goes, I-, I want to change the deck positions. What do you mean you want to change the deck positions? He goes, well, the way we DJ, we have the turntable arm to the back and the decks to the side. We're like, okay. And what, as soon as he moved it in that dimension, which is which you probably have seen everyone saw C- Cash Money introduce that style. Yeah. That's the style. With the decks, with the arm at the back, and not a, on the right, which it was traditionally would have been. Yeah, yeah, battle position. If you notice yeah. in my yeah. set, in my DMC, yeah, that's the, that's what they later become known as battle position. But yeah. if you notice me, in the DMC competitions, I had always had my decks the traditional way. Mm. And, 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 and the reason I pretty much kept it like that is because... I always believed, you know what, nine times out of ten I'm going to see it that way, and if I'm going to hit the arm, because he explained why he's moving the decks that way so he won't hit the arm, then surely, I just, doesn't that mean I've just got to get better and not hit the arm? <laughs> <You> know, <laughs> why am I moving the alternative? Just to accommodate me not hit, hitting the arm. But anyway, this guy was by went by the name of Lightly Lee. And I've uh, and heard people... Say to um, I've told them about Lightly, and they said, "Don't you mean Lightly Rich?" No, Lightly Lee, because he okay. gave us a mixtape also, and it had that written on it. Gotta find that tape one day. Yeah, thank <laughs> God I gave Pogo a copy because he, he he looks after his collection better than me. <laughs> anyway, this tape and what this guy did totally blew our minds. He was chirping, you know. He's yep. the first person I heard chirps from. And this is 1985. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it was like yeah. six months or at least six or eight months before um, uh, Cash Money released a bootleg record with Dr. Funkistan called Scratching to the Funk. I don't know if you ever got that record or you ever heard it. I have heard it, yes. When that record came out with Cash Money, that changed the whole scratching, what everyone knew as scratching, because... It was dynamic. Cash Money is a very is an articulate scratcher. Scratcher. People listen to Cuba, That's how we perceive Cash Money because he was dropping new sounds and sounds and new styles. He was the one who dropped slurs, you know, and drags and reversing the record back and so forth. Yeah. And the most importantly, chirps. But it wasn't known as chirps at that time. We didn't even know a name for it. Anyway. Back to Lightly Lee, he showed us that. And his dexterity was unbelievable. It was just unbelievable. And his speed and, and the clarity, he just left us blown away. And, he, yeah. and like I said, he left us a tape. And he goes to me, You need to look out for two guys. One's by the name of Cash Money, and the other one is Jazzy Jeff. And we was like, Okay. And literally, we just practiced. The chirps and and the scratches mm. to to get them down, and and this is where things changed for me because remember up to this point I never had no gear, and I was coming up to my seventieth birthday. I was you know I was a good good enough child, very chatterboxy, <laughs> never got in trouble with the police in that. That's why it's a good enough child, yeah. That's good. <laughs> but my mum my mum said to me, "What do I want for my birthday?" And I said to her. I want one of these turntables. It's called the SL twelve hundred. This turntable was two hundred pounds. It cost more than my mum's f- complete whole hi fi mm. with speakers and everything by Sharp. You know, yeah. But you know, she took out the credit card and she got it for me. You know, got a lot of mums. Once I, yeah, you gotta <laughs> thank your mums, man. You gotta, you know. You, Family is family, you know.
0: Oh, totally. Um, I, mean, I wouldn't have my turntables if it wasn't with my mum.
1: Uh, so I like. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and no, and no matter how all your all all any parent ever wants for their for their kids is to stay out of trouble, and be you know if they see you are passionate about something, regardless of where it can ever go, because back back in them days, you could say I wanted to be a DJ and. The only DJs people knew about was the DJs on the radio. Yeah. You know, club DJing wasn't even a reality. You know, weren't even going to... Started get just about getting old enough to get into clubs. You know, but I was still 17, so... And I was a small kid. Yeah. So I couldn't fake it like I was... A, like some of the other kids that were in my, <laughs> my age group, and they were like men.
0: <laughs>
1: I mean, you, <laughs> you, got the, you got the old roller discos
0: um, back then and stuff as well, so... <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah. I mean, in you know, honestly... The only time I actually went to certain jams where adults were around was when there were park sound clashes, and they used to happen. You mm. know, because because um, I was from Battersea, up in Clapham Junction, you'd have um sound clashes up there. Uh, I can't remember the the, the, the bloody places now. It's, I'm so embarrassed, I can't remember them. I, that's why I always keep told to write a book, and I never do <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember any. But literally, there were sound systems, and they would come to Batsy Park and they play there when it was summer holidays and stuff. Yeah. So you get a permit to to play park jams. But um, I got this turntable, and then I just lived, religiously practiced with it. Uh, I had so I had one SL twelve hundred, one what other turntable? I can't remember. JVs. I had I got an SL seventeen hundred second amp had the same looking platter and they, and they had the pitch control, but the, the pitch control was a knob and the and the speed select was a knob and the power button was a knob. Ah. And it wasn't the knob like on the 1200. It was a different type. Yeah. You can Google it, SL1700. Kind of looked like... I've seen some Americans have them kind of turntables. Um, literally, to make it work, you had to have great slip mats. Mm. Remember I told you about the cookie crew giving me great slip mats? And yeah. we used to cut the plastic of the vinyl records, which the, the plastic bag that some yes. vinyl records used to be in, yeah, and put that. that on the pla- on the plastic to make it work. Yeah, to make it even spin even quicker. Some people used to even cut cardboard to do that mm. as well. We used to really have a lot of, I'll call it, layer cake layers on the <laughs> metal things used to have just to make the record spin sufficiently. Yes. I w- I, when I originally started DJing, I was right-handed. So I had my SL-1200 on my right-hand. And the... Other turntable on the left, and literally that was just for always back queuing and playing the beat, and the right hand, you know, scratching away. And um, I, I used to go to a lot of second hand stores, digging records and breaks because that's where you found that the records were, and they were always cheap back in the then days because no one knew about the art form as such. Yeah. You know, everyone got clued up quite a lot later, mainly around the late 80s. Going into the early '90s, when people's really started getting clued up, then record shops started importing break beats as well. Yeah, and they then changed multiple break beats to street beat records. But anyway, um, I was lucky one time. I went to Record and Tape Exchange, and they had a, a second-hand Hi-Fi part, and I saw an SL 120. This was a turntable. That was exactly like the 1200, but it didn't have the arm. You could put your own audio file on it. And mm. mine had a um, SME arm.
2: Yeah.
1: The, the really fancy ones with the string and the weight, counterweight on it and stuff. Yeah. They're not built for scratching. No. So They're for playing <laughs> records. But the SL120 was an sl twelve hundred, like I said, but without the arm. So I bought that for £80. Pounds. No. I regret selling it. I sold it eventually, but I don't know. You know, I got a picture of one, but you know, yeah. I've got a video of me actually cutting um, DJing with it, which I'll should dig out one day. <laughs> but um that when I got that turntable, I knew now I didn't have to rely. I was self-sufficient. I didn't have to rely on Imperial being in or you know accommodating me <laughs> making noise in his room and his yeah. mum you know, so forth and Robbie being around as well. So pretty much I just practiced and practiced. Um, What literally happened, because a lot of the the DJs that are big, getting big at that time were coming up as well. Cosmic Jam was very popular. Mm. Um, And there was more scratch DJs turning up. Streets Ahead from West London was very big in breaks. And there was Quick Cut J very big in breaks, East London. So between them three guys and us, we kind of had a a, a good monopoly run on on the DJing scene for a while as underground hip-hop purist DJs. Because I must add, prior to me having Dex, Mastermind Roadshow was a major influence. Because again, because I was too young to go to clubs, I could go to the carnival. Mm. And the carnival's where you see sound systems. And where you see Mastermind, and that's Herbie and the full outfit. And um, now, two people became very influential to me because I met them and they they were, were, were quite open and honest, and that's Day DJ yeah. and Max LX. And they became DJs on Kiss much later on. But those guys, Again, they brought Whisked over, and they used to put on nights, and you know, because I broke dance, I, I became quite popular, and they knew of me and stuff, and so forth. And I would always ask them, boy, "Yeah, what, what records that you lot played? Oh, I like the way you played that record, or like, I knew I know that record you just played, stuff like that, <laughs> you know." And I think one of them actually worked at Bluebird Records. Um, don't you remember Bluebird Records? It was a London store. Um, again, they released, they started releasing some hip hop records as well. They released a record called "The Hip Hop Beat." I think it was produced by Mastermind, and it, they got Whiskey to feature on it. It had some British rappers, so that was a British rap American collab. Nice. And um, and and again, Max and Dave, uh, you know, I can't thank them guys much more because they looked out for me. And, they, and, and, and Blue Boy Records had a deleted record section, and they literally had um, the Soul is "Salt of the Earth" album, which is. Uh, a very popular break beat back in the day, which was again you heard on the mixtapes yeah. called Ashley's Roach Clip. Uh so it was and they, you know, put two sides copies aside for me and gave this and sold them to us. They also had a, a, a very popular British break beat by a group called Bizarre called Pleasure Boys. Mm. Um WizKid used to cut that up a lot. And again, breaks getting into breaks taught me about music. Don't Stereotype music is anything can have a break,
2: yeah,
1: it'll, and it will just come out of nowhere. The most obscure breaks always came out of nowhere and took you by shock. But literally, what we used to do, we used to go to a lot of record shops, um, price busters in the west end, cheapo, cheapo, and um, these store guys started getting clued up because we were all buying the same records. I bought uh, in cheapo, cheapo was it Price Busters? Price Busters, sorry, <laughs> Magic Disco Machine, scratching, and they had loads of copies, and they were going for 99
0: pence.
1: Nice. <laughs> That's amazing. a <laughs> little pocket money, I just buy, spend all the auto records, because as far as I was concerned, it was on. Yeah. You know? So, yeah, I, I, we're we still into breaks, still in the thingy, but I, I literally started practicing up, and I, I'm in, and, this, and the dynamics changed with imperial mixers uh, i think robbie got more into drumming to start taking up his drumming more professionally imperial mixer joined a a, a sound system called main attraction and started DJing for them because of that again during the late 80s the sound system guys changed their dynamics and started having scratch mixers in their, their crews and um And uh, Main Attraction, one of the guys who who was in the group called Phil, he owned Red Records or managed Red Records in Brixton. So Imperial worked at Red Records and so forth, and it made sense. So I was pretty much on my own as such, DJing and and just practicing by myself. And luckily for me, um, I teamed up with another guy from East London that I met at Covent and saw him around. We met him through Cosmic Jam by the name of DJ Pogo, and you know, we just yeah. used to go digging dig, dig together. Uh, he had a friend called DJ Light, DJ Partner, and we used to go to his house and have a literally a lock in. You know, I lived at my mum's, Pogo lived at his mum, DJ Delight had <laughs> his own place <laughs> <laughs> and a job. So we went to his house and we used to stay there all night and just scratch scratch and scratch and you know because i had the the edge through the um lightning lead tape i gave pogo a copy of it eventually i i pretty much realized that wait a minute now got this style down and i'm kind of ahead of everybody how am i going to stay ahead i need to i need to (laughs) i need to get new material Mm. so i just kept practicing and and literally just making things up as I used to go along because every time Marco saw me, I just literally had to show him something new that I had. He's like, "What? That's not on the tape. I said, nah, this is this is me." <laughs> and pretty much, and then pretty much by the time I had chirps down, Jazzy Jeff dropped um, "Girls Ain't Nothing But Trouble." Cash Money had already dropped "Scratching to the Funk," and. Um, it, you know, the whole DJing scene was pretty much picking up. There was just numbers of DJs around. Everyone was kind of a DJ, so you yeah. you had to be a bit more secretive in what you was able to do and and, and the music you had. And 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 pretty much, um, what actually happened? Westwood then got a job from Pirate Radio to Capital Radio, and you know he had big plans. He goes, "You know, it's 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 about all of us. We're gonna." Hip hop's gonna change now, and he goes to me, Lot Swift. I can't pay you money for for doing mixes for me, but I want you to do some mixes for me. But I'll give you promo records, every record I got, and pay you records. So I said to him, "Yeah, why not? You know, I yeah. know you, Tim. Let's do it." So I went on Westward, did a scratch mix, and the, re- the the reach that Capital Radio had pretty much put me on the underground road map overnight. Nice. You know, by just being head with styles and things. And I've actually got that first mix that I put up on my mixcloud account that I played on Westwood. And Westwood was like, wow, cut master Swift, brutal, illegal, you know, <laughs> and you know, we're going to get Swift. To it. Then he just started giving me challenges. He said, look, Swift, I've got two copies of this new American record, JVC's false, Strong Island, let's see what you can do with it. And, and I literally just cut it up on you. Literally, I think I had not even a, a week with the record, yeah. And I used to just cut it up. He's coming to Capital, recall me live, cutting it up in one. Had to do it in one take, yeah. Not, not a retake person, and that challenge alone and what I did to that record. Westwood was just blown away, and he goes, "Wow, Cutmaster Zoo's got to be one of the best DJs in the country." And as soon as he said that, a lot of people started to really take note of what I was doing. Nice. So this was like '87. Yeah. And um, funny enough, in '87, the DMC competition wasn't even on my radar, but Imperial entered the DMC competition, and he said, "Ah, it's more more disco mixing and stuff." But what actually changed the dynamics in DMC to make a lot of us scratch DJs enter was DJ Cheese entering in 86 Mm. and the championships because before then it was just like DJs what can you do on the pair of turntables you know mixing wise and things like that and what Scrap and Cheese did when he entered the DMC he just done pure scratching He, he was cutting beats he cut back on the records and some DJs are like, what is this? Is this a mixing competition or is it a scratching competition? <laughs> but um, obviously, from that, Chad Jackson followed after Cheese and this was 87. And then there was another competition. The DMC was UK-based and there was a competition in the States called the New Music Seminar and I used to collect tapes from that. Yeah. And that had Whiskey DJ in Africa, Islam DJ, in the UK, all these hip-hop DJs that used to hear of competing in this competition as well as MCs, established MCs like um, Melly Mel and so forth. Mm. Westwood used to play these. So, what actually happened that in '88, Pogo decided, I'm not sure how he met DMC, but he done something. And when someone said, Yeah, you need to see this guy, DJ Pogo. DMC, and they said, okay, well, bring him round, so he went round their house, uh, I think Chad Jackson was there as well, and Pogo showed them our style of DJing, pretty mm-hmm. much at that time, and they just couldn't believe what they were hearing, they just were, wow, you need to enter our competition, you know, you've heard of DJ G's in it, you've seen what he, he won what our championships and that, so Pogo goes, yeah, he goes, goes alright, I'll enter the competition, and this was 88. Yeah. So, I was going to tell he's going to enter the competition. I said, okay. I said, all right. It'd be interesting to see the outcome from that because Imperial entered the year before and he didn't, he didn't win. He didn't. He, I, I think he qualified, but that's about it. I don't even think he got in the top three. But anyway, um, you know, friends of mine were going, well, you know, Swifty, <laughs> he need to enter as well. Like, nah, I'll... I will miss this. I said I'll I'll watch and see what Pogo does. And if he comes out good from it, then i am I'm into next year. Pogo entered the um I think it was E. And he won. Nice. And he got a jacket. The DMC classic jacket, leather arms, and it's a DMC regional DMC mixing championship. They so used to give every first winner in the original heats a jacket and yeah. record box and stuff. And one time, I think, I'm not sure what club he we went to. But at this point, like I said, people are saying, 50 you need to enter the incident as well. You know, what club Pogo don't win? Maybe you can win. But now, I miss out. And I saw Pogo with his Technics jacket, man. I was like, <laughs> Jesus. I think I'm going to enter. Even the, just to win one of those. Yeah, I want to enter just for one of those. Now, I missed the London heat, obviously, and I had to go to Birmingham. And this guy, by the name of Ricky Reynolds, who, again, was a very influential person, took me to Birmingham to enter that heat and said, look, I'll get you in the competition. You know, you need to enter. You he, he kept bullying me about entering a game in and said, look, I'll enter. I just want the jacket, Now I'm not even worried about anything else. <laughs> I just want the jacket. So I entered that heat, and literally, in that heat, I had scratch professor little 14 year old kid very good dj entering that heat as well and i was fortunate that i won that heat and i got the jacket nice you <laughs> i'm in a competition <laughs> and i didn't find out later on that same competition this is 1988 dmc championships um and I, I did, you know, I was obviously one. I won two heats because back in them days you had uh, uh, heats to bring you to get the numbers down to get you into the final. Yeah. And I won both yeah. those heats. Uh, and so only when I won the heat and I was going into the final, news started coming in from other DMC branches because DMC was a world competition that mm. Catch Money had entered the DMC. <laughs> what cash money you know and you know cash money was pretty much the man up to that that in that that year yeah and i felt wow i can't believe i'm in a competition with cash money i just didn't feel worthy anyway i, 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 I obviously won the uk final that year and um shot some new techniques like the copycat a technique i pioneered nice which is uh, what people, some people call chasing, I uh, some echoes, scratches, which mm. I kind of evolved from trying to transform and some other little bits. And I met Cash Money during, uh, I'm not sure it was. Was it, uh, it the eliminations? Before the eliminations, we met at some store thing and I was like, hey, yeah, hi Cash Money, you know, money's cut master swift, You know, I heard about you from this guy called like Lee. Tell me about you. Cashman's like, yeah, thanks, yeah, cool, and he's all gone. And I just wanted cash money to check my style of DJ. <laughs> <laughs> I, I something different. I wasn't, even want, I wasn't even thinking about the competition stuff, you know. <laughs> so um, we did the eliminations, and I came runner-up to Cash Money in that eliminations, um, and that's how you position the the, the main roll Albert all positions yeah um so that's why people should have realized i went on just before cash money and then cash money was after and that was the first time i was in the royal albert hall a place i never even imagined being in or actually i didn't even think about even weren't even being impressed with the place you know <laughs> and dj opened my eyes up because i was quite like i said very limited vision and um just ignorant to the things are what do I need to know about that country for i'm never going to go there
2: mm.
1: d j took me there, yeah, you know what I mean all things like that you just didn't, you just don't realize and um in the royal Albert hall amongst that amount of people
2: <laughs>
1: crazy i really, i literally realize jesus i'm in the world competition i'm here to I, I'm representing the u k and <laughs> um, I I I I lost. I knew, though I knew what I was doing, I wasn't feeling what I was doing. I was just going for the motions. Yeah. And um, after that competition, I came. I think I came fifth that, in that eighty-eight competition. I thought, now nah, this isn't you know. I, I've, I've got to redeem myself. I'm going back in eighty-nine, and I'm winning this thing. And funny enough, I did get c- cash money. Didn't get to see my set as such because you you, you only saw the last bit when they call you out and but prior to that the same year there was a a event in Holland in Holland Mm. a a convention Cash Money was top billing in that convention I actually got the flyer and my name was up on it as well nice and um, I went there and I performed just before Cash Money and I'll, someone's taped that 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 event, they've got it on tape, and I think they've got it on video. It was videoed, and I, I I appeal to anybody out there who's got a copy of this tape because this tape, the only documentation I've got of how well I performed. Once I at that place, the way I performed and I played, people went, "That guy's the next world champion." They were just blown away. Even Cash Money was like, "Whoa, this guy isn't messing around." You know, he knew I had my own style. I dropped a copycat. I dropped a hole, I dropped needle drop. I dropped so many different things to to another level. Yeah, at that event. And DMC. I've only got the document. It documented in writing where DMC goes and cut Master Swift. Blew the blew the house apart. You know, to a world champion performance level. That's what it was said. Nice. And um, DMC also sponsored me and Pogo. That year after the competition, they we formed a touring team, and we went to Dublin, Belfast, and places like that where people would never win
2: because
1: yeah. of the troubles they used to have. And we was one of the first people going in. The Irish welcomed us big time. So much so that. You know, people who were at that event always said to me, man, we are so grateful you guys came because we weren't getting anything only from what we saw on the TV. And you guys were the first people we saw come over here. Nice. You know, regardless of what we did. And they show us so much love. Yeah. Well, we went to our little tour and that. But um, DMC also sponsored us in the Ed music seminar competition because they had a the panel there and they went used to go to the music seminar and talk on the panel. And... Again, in that competition in 88, I dropped needle dropping. Um, I did a bit of copycat, but no, no one knew what the hell I was doing. They just didn't pick up on it. But they picked up on the needle dropping because Grand Wizard Theodore, the, the inventor of scratching, also pioneered needle dropping to such a level. Yeah, And I reminded them of that. But I was doing it with two records and stuff. Doing these funny faces that the guy battled because I, at, at first when I actually went on the set, I had a bit of a technical problem. It's actually recorded, and um, you got Mike Allen talking about playing it back. He, he played it on his show. How um, you know me and um, Pogo went to, to New York to represent the UK, and um, when I dropped the, the needle, dropping nobody could believe what these UK. Who's these UK guys doing stuff like this to this level? And um, you know Red Alert was like, "Whoa, man, you born that back. You just need all you need to do is keep doing that needle dropping stuff, and you'll win." <laughs> I said, "No, you need to see this other style I've got. This other technique I've got." <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't work out. So I came away from New Music Seminar, and it was it was such a, an experience because there we were in the heart of New York with the b boying amongst people we. It, that inspired us and artists all right next beside us. Big Daddy Kane, Craig G, you know, DJs, Johnny Juice and who DJed on Public Enemy's, um track and yeah. Rebel rub, rub, Out of Paws and yeah. stuff like that. All these DJs, we would just see him. You know, DJ Scratch won that year in 88. And we made up. And then in 89, I came back round. The world for um, DMC championships, and I decided, yep, yeah, I'm gonna defend the title. I think I was one of the first DJs to defend and successfully hold the title. Nice. Um, and then um, obviously, I came to the world, and, and then everyone was making noise about another American guy, DJ Aladdin. Yep. So, you know, luckily, I got some footage of Aladdin's performance in New York with the DMC. I was like, okay, mm, very nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good. You know, because there's no way to test a skill apart from seeing a DJ
2: yeah.
1: whose worthy. you know, if your opponents ain't as skillful as you, then how can it be a how can you test your skills really? Mm. So um what people said it's funny because there's always a debate about um people saying that, you know, oh Ladin should have won. I didn't personally see it that way because my style now is, is is such an established style. I see everybody doing it, yeah. doing what I did back then. You know, and I don't see much people doing what Aladdin did. Not, not disrespecting Aladdin. He had the most funky scratches. He really did. You know, but in, in fact, Aladdin of came to London a bit unprepared because DJ Pogo loaned him some records, you know. Okay. And you never come, you never really take other DJ's records to do a, do a set with. It just, it's just not your records. You yeah. don't know them well enough. There's anything can go wrong with them. But anyway, um, what I what makes me laugh is that when people say to me, "Oh, Aladdin should have won the world championships in '89," I'm like, you do realize that I didn't just beat Aladdin once. i beat him twice because I went on last at the world final. So, mm. I've even beaten in the eliminations, but no one doesn't seem to want to <laughs> <laughs> acknowledge yeah, that. It's weird. And you can see what I'm doing in the eliminations <laughs> is totally different again, a totally different style and totally unexpected. In fact, I'm sure Ladin checked me out because I see him needle dropping as well after I dropped needle dropping a year prior in the new music seminar. Mm. And at any time I see someone doing stuff that I already know I've got down, I've got enough confidence that, okay. I'm leading and not following. Yeah. That's how I perceive things. But anyway, um, DJ. obviously I won the world final in 89. Yeah. And I thought, right, now I need to go back to New York and, and and show, do what I was meant to do the year prior. Because the year before, we actually used a Ray mixer that was more of a club mixer, not a, a turntables mixer. And why I say a turntables mixer is because if you know... Cash Money in '88 introduced the um, the GLI MX 2200, 2200 I think it was. They, yeah. Or they rebranded it as I not yeah. put Jazzy Jazzy Jeff's name on it. But that mixer, it was a small, compact mixer, and everybody thought, "How's Cash Money doing all this stuff? How's Cash? I've got to get the same stuff as Cash Money." So everyone <laughs> went out and bought these mixers. You know, we picked one up when we was out in New York and we were surprised how cheap they were. And then DMC caught on to it and thought, right, we're going to import these mixers in and we brought them over. And unfortunately, what a lot of people didn't realise because they just bought them and plugged them in, the voltage was set wrong on them. Yes. It was 110, <laughs> we 220. So you instantly blew the fuse of the diodes inside of them. Mm. And because I knew electronics, DMC had a whole heap of these mixers returned to them and they had them sitting in the, in, on the shelf, and they weren't going to send them back to the States. Yeah. So I said to them, oh, I'll fix them for you. And they just gave <laughs> me a whole heap of them as well. Nice. And I had, like, a whole heap of these mixers, <laughs> and I just replaced the diodes and got them working again. And I used the, some of them as spares to, to do crossfaders. So I, at one point, I was, like, servicing a lot of DJs' mixers <laughs> <laughs> because they used to come to me and we're talking about carbon faders, yeah, not the, yeah. these VCA voltage control faders or optical faders that you've got now. We're talking about very infancy days, and I used to take the faders apart and I used to brush them out and clean them out. And a lot of DJs back in the days, because of carbon faders, used to use stuff like WD forty yep. and service all to clean the faders to keep them running, because you know carbon faders would leak mm. literally. Yeah, and those I've got, things would. I've would got...
0: yeah I've got an old Technics uh, 1200 EX 1200 I think it is mixer that that, that thing bleeds quite a lot so I've kind of like left it as a a shelf antique at the moment (laughs) (laughs)
1: This stuff looks good
0: on the shelf it does doesn't it but
1: what actually happened what actually happened with GLIs breaking down so much and their popularity DMC decided to brand their own mixer yeah and they got Milos, who were responsible for the GLI mixers, which were very popular in the early days, which the world's famous Supreme T used. and um, all, all the popular hip-hop DJs was using this GLI mixer. That's what I used in 88 when I did the DMC, my DMC set. I never had that mixer, but I was aware of it. And I did use it a couple of times when I used to DJ in certain sets places with Westwood. Yeah. So I was aware of his dimensions and the and, and how to use it. Um then yeah and I always believed it if I, if I was good enough I'll be able to do whatever i I could do on anything, not limit myself and go, no, I can't use that. That's not the mixer I've got. <laughs> but anyway, um DMC came to us and said what's so good about the the the, the um the um the, uh, Oh, God, what mixers are Cash Money using again now? I forgot that. The uh, Gemini mixer. Oh, yes. The mx two twenty two hundred. Yeah. The one with the wooden sides, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And a little, he had, had a crossfader in the middle. The left and right, cha- the turntables were in the um, channels or up and f- up faders were in the middle. And on the left was the line channel, and on the right was a mic fader. Literally. And then, you know, your cue and your mic meet. Yeah. It's a very simple mixer. So literally, they said, you know, if you was to build a mixer, what would you want it to have? So I said, look, well, for first thing, it's got to be, it's got to be, it's got to be serviceable. Mm. You know, so I said, look, you need to put a, a replaceable. You need to make sure we can change the cross faders on that because these faders, when they go, we need to be able to change them really quick. So we literally designed the DMC PMX2 okay. from... The image of the uh, Gemini mixer, yeah, but we made obviously some improvements on it, like replaceable crossfaders and stuff, you know. And um, that mixer then became—I had the prototype at one point, and I was DJing with it, messing with it, testing that. I go, "Yep, that's fine." You know, it can get this. This is—it's ready. And um, pretty much, we were the first people using that mixer. They took it on tour with us um then dmc introduced it into the championships and 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 encouraged everybody everybody start picking up that because of its reliability and it and it was easy to use. it was as easy to use as a gemini but yeah. obviously much of a better, better quality built because it was built by milos which was a japanese company yeah um Yeah, that mixer saved saved its times all the way up to 1991, 92, I think. It's Cuba and that used it in there when they won first time. Mm. Rock Raider used it in 1995 when he entered. Um, Yeah, that mixer became the standard. Everybody entered the DMC had done on those mixers and learned the craft on, on it. Nice. So. That's pretty much my my DJing career and the influence and things I did. Yeah. As a DJ, as such, we, uh, you know. Apart from that, we did we did things. Me and Pogo like and business and another guy called Mysterious came. We released records like we released our Breakbeat album, with mm. School Beats back in the day. Um. Obviously, we had MCs and groups. I had a, a group called the um, No Parking. <laughs> Um, Pogo had Moni Love and MC Mello and started recording yeah Um, that's that's pretty much my my DJ my (laughs) <laughs> no that's that's rough I know I've missed out quite a lot but you know I that's don't what, want to bore people today no, no, I they've been doing a lot of editing right? this
0: is all good no I love this kind of stuff honestly this is what my podcast was made for to be honest with you um, yeah. no I love the long form stuff so no, this has been absolutely fantastic for me and absolutely fascinating as well because it's like I kind of joined the sort of like Scratch, sort of like, I guess, like movement, if you will, or scene or whatever, or, or you know, whatever you want yeah. to call it, around yeah. sort of like 96, 97. So, and that's when I sort of started yeah. getting into it. I was a, I helped my brother, like, DJing's always been a thing. So, my brother had a mobile DJ business. So, wow. We'd yes. be doing like kids' parties and, and and weddings and roller discos and all that kind of stuff. We had a set of those like, Setronic, like, dual turntable yeah. things <laughs> that, like, on yeah. springs.
1: <laughs> You know? And, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's um, what my girards were on. They were built into some little wood. I put them in wooden panels yeah. rather than a big uh, DJ coffin.
0: Yeah, 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 no, no, no. It's exactly... But they were springy, yeah. They were, they were really springy. And then eventually, because my mum saw, like, you know, that I had a passion for this, she got me a set of, uh, like, Belt Drive Gemini... Um, I think the BL10s or something um, set up uh, with a mixer yeah. and then yeah. uh, got the direct <laughs> direct drive versions of those I think they were like t- Gemini 2000s and then when I was 21 I got the choice out of she said do you want driving lessons or do you want a set of turntables like Technics turntables <laughs> I didn't learn to drive till I was like 26 so, <laughs> so <laughs> um, but um, yeah and I've still got them, they're still going almost 20 years later, so I can't, you know.
1: I know, they're, they're, they're built to last, mate, they're oh, built totally, to last. Oh, totally, totally. I, I know of very few people that killed Technics SLs, I I'll be honest with you, I've killed mine, because if you, as you probably know, I won the first gold SL 1200 turntable that DMC offered in their championships Yeah. Um, yeah. in Eighty nine, and I killed it. Literally, if oh. you saw that you know the arm, um, I, I stripped it down for parts one time because my other turns was were part weren't working and it went up in the loft when I moved house and it wasn't boxed correctly and it just got faded gold and it started peeling at one point when I was DJing with it. I don't look after things, that's why I have to learn to repair things because I just don't look after things, yeah. But, um, yeah, yeah, equipment is there to be used, and, and you know, and you're yeah. right, you. It's admirable that you you've retired certain stuff and you still got it, but you've retired it. Yeah. So it's part of your. It's, everything's got a story to it. I mean, I've got my original mixer and that, and they look rusted because again, they went up in a loft and I didn't box and properly and stuff. And I can't throw that stuff away. I'm a hoarder. Yeah. To, to, to tell the honest it's, truth, it's, I it's, haul it's, for records and equipment.
0: It is difficult to throw away. It's like scratch records and stuff like that. I can't throw them away. Yeah. Even if they're battered no, to hell, fine. like, I just, I can't, because I can yeah. still, there's still samples on there that I can still use, <laughs> or there's breaks on there I can still use, and they're not, like, yeah. they're not completely gone yet, until it's just fuzz. i think that's when it's sort of like then i'll make (laughs) some hole
1: in the record
0: yeah until then i'll make some kind of like ornament out of it or a clock but it's like (laughs) yeah 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 but i just i can't get rid of that sort of stuff but yeah yeah, like you know keep keep all those little bits because you know there's no i mean there's no point selling it because it's it is an antique of sorts you know um (laughs) that's that's exactly it It's, it's it's part of my story you know so yeah. yeah that's all cool um well i've got a couple of questions left for you man if that's all right and then i can let you get sure. off for some, of course. Uh, but these are my kind of like i ask these questions to like everyone that i speak to on my show so they're kind of more about yeah. um it's a little bit of your history but it's kind of like winding up to like what i want to know are like three albums that were pivotal for you so like the one that made you just want to you know obviously like b-boy to start with um but any you know made you want to be a dj made you want to you know do something what are those three albums that really kind of shaped you
1: right definitely jimmy castor's just begun that album is like the holy b-boy anthem and you know I, i i was fortunate that on my 17th birthday when i got the turn my first sl 1200 i found a pristine copy original rca Nice. Uh, Flexi disc because the, the original, if you know about it, is very, very, a very flexible uh, vi- piece of vinyl. It's yeah. not a firm piece of vinyl, you know. And yeah, I, that album, you know, I I I, I cherished it. And then obviously I've got to go into Ultimate Break um, Octopus Breakbeats because they put us on, the Imperial mixers on the map. And when I got my own copies, Corky Crew went back to to went to New York. And I managed to talk them into coming back with some copies for me. And they brought back different volumes that we never had as the Imperial group, Mixers group. And they were like repressed. So they were a different color label because all the original volumes had a different color label. Mm. So Octopus Breakbeats yeah. really, again, they're my foundation records. And then pretty much it's always going back to breakbeats. It's got to be. I mean, Initial hip hop records are always fantastic to have. Yeah, um, and there's too many. They're like they're like children. You 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 know, the more you have, you can't say you've got a favorite. Everyone, <laughs> every one of them is a favorite at a different time, depending how they on how good they, well behaved they are, or just the mood you're in. So that's how I see my music. I, I can't. If I bought that record, I bought that record because I cherish it. Yeah, you know, I, maybe I I. I I tend to find things that you are given, you, you tend, depending on, who on the circumstances of, of you receiving them, you, you tend to not cherish those records as much as records you actually remember, where you was, how old you were, and what the reason you bought it. So my third record, um, I, I suppose I need to say it is a, a hip-hop record, really, because I've given two breaks. Um, let me think. What hip-hop record really changed things for me? Well, I've got to kind of go with the old school records, really. Yeah. Um, whether it's the Message album by Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five. Because I I, I was buying records by the labels. So yeah. I was buying stuff on Chippin' Ball. I was buying stuff on Tommy Boy records. And I was buying stuff on Enjoy. Those are the three record I know it's a bit of a cheat, but those three <laughs> record labels are the foundation of my hip-hop. You know? obviously I appreciate all the hip hop records that's come later with your big daddy Kane, your your tribe called quest and your diamond D mm. and leaders of the new school and everything else. But prior to that, I was into the earliest hip hop because that's all like there was. Yeah. So I bought man parish hip hop bebop. I bought, I, I pretty much bought everything that kind of came out in the early days because it didn't come out in an abundance, and you could kind of get it, or you bought one record and your friend bought the other record, and you know you, you literally had the had those records between you. Yeah. So I hope, I hope I've clarified that. No, no, that's okay. Yeah, good. Yeah, um, the message and Planet Rock. Planet Rock by the cool. Slow Sonic Force because yeah. that sound was a, a different sound, and and the, and the and the message was more funkier. Yeah, and, and 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 they were. And Sugar Hill had a band that would re- reproduce the breaks. If you know what I mean. Yeah. But the electronic sound, the Planet Rock, put things, put the whole electro thing into a different atmosphere. Yeah. Took it to a total different level.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, I mean those are all cl- great. Out, like, like especially the breaks side of things. It's always useful for me. I always like look for like break records from back then um and
1: see if i can still get them
0: now yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. um but no that's yeah all... you
1: could probably get a repress but yeah you know, you'd be lucky if you could you know yeah. unless someone sells them on ebay and they, they just charge you a ridiculous amount of money yeah no be... one of my philosophies of buying music i i've never spend. i never buy i'd never buy a record to not play it yeah that just defeats the object although in all honesty nowadays i still do collect vinyl um I'll rotate them like how you just rotate tires on a car, if that makes sense. You yes, know so yes. I'll play it because yeah, that's yeah. the it. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take it to a club and play it because it's a bit it's almost pointless to a certain extent, you know. Yeah. Unless it was something special that I really wanted to play at. You yeah. know, but
0: yeah, yeah. That's, how I kind of do it, That's yeah. cool. Um, before I ask you this last question, actually, I just want to count with another one. Um, you said you were working. Um, you do a lot of stuff for DMC still, the radio, the United DJs. Yeah. Um, what What do you do? Yeah, no, I yeah, know you've got, got your own show. Um, what
1: else? Well, I had a show on there. You had a show, but sorry. I, I pretty much no. Nah, I, I, I engineer for a lot of people's shows. So oh, okay. shows. So I, uh, yeah, I, I got into production, and, I, I, and like I said, I just try to become an avid person in music. So I learned okay. about production. i released okay. records back in the early days, and uh, I, I, and those skills still help me today. Keep my 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 ear to the ground and, and in touch. Um, I also offer their DVDs. You know, I, yeah. I consult with DMC a lot about things they're going to do in the championships and I, I, I obviously I'm on stage engineering. Yep. I've hosted the DMC championships. So, like I said, people think that I just go in the DMC. Hi, Tony. tip out this new scratch that's on the scene. <laughs> I'm scratching the so lot like, Going, oh wow! We're going to see that this year in the competition, yeah? Yeah, Tony. I'll teach you how to DJ. No, it's not. It's a
0: business. You know? No, I kind of think of that because, like, like I said when we were at the start, like with the B M uh, BPM. Sorry, um, you were at the you're on the yeah. DMC stand for all the, like every time I went there. Yeah. And I was just curious as to like how, yeah. the, how that incorporated with the, the radio station that, that Tony Prince launched. So, um, no, I was just curious on that yeah. front. Um, cause I, I, have got my own radio show as well. So I was just sort of like, wow. See what, see what we do, but I do for yeah, an, I mean, internet shows.
1: So. Still finding its ground. Um, it's, it's, it's now coming into its third year. Yeah. We're still going as, as, as what they say. Cause radio is very hard as you know. It is. And you know, I mean, that, 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 their demographic is pretty much we is, is bringing back the personality in DJing because as you know everything's become automated yeah and you know the system we use is is proof of that automation in effect mm. but you know Prince kind of, is a radio DJ originally at, at heart he is so yeah. it was one of his passions to get back into radio and, and he's pulling it off so far no, that's really you know, cool we've got brilliant t- yeah, yeah so you know but like I said it's it's pretty much uh, 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 I mean, these guys just putting their shows together. And I'm learning that if I want to know about breaks, I listen to them guys because they'll tell me a record. I'm like, wow, okay, Let's go for this. <laughs> oh, God, God, that's got a break on it. <laughs> you know? I'll give you that one on the download. I didn't know that one. You know, and, 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 and like I said, you just don't write off anybody yeah. in, in in terms of breaks and music.
0: Yeah, definitely.
1: If it's definitely. funky. I'm playing it. I don't
0: yeah. care who No, that's really cool. I was just curious on the front. Um, but my final question now, finally, yeah. um, what are your hobbies away from, like, DJing and music, if you have any <laughs> away from that? Because I know that's a silly question with it, people in music, it, but...
1: It, it's, it's very hard for me to actually have another hobby because I enjoy music so much that, like I said, I, I, you, you, it's hard to pull me away from it. And mm. I I get frustrated now because I can't... I can't spend the time I used to. I used to spend eight hours a day just around the turntables, eight hours starting minimum, sorry. Yeah. And um, Now, I, I, I get in now and I, I, I just turn the turntable on, do a, a, a half an hour of scratching just, just to keep the sharpness, just to keep sharp. But, you know, I haven't even got time now to even sit down and really – plot out sets anymore but I've still got them, I've still got ideas yes. and, and, and and when I put together the DMC trailers and promo, promo videos I, I literally, much, those are my sets because you can, I chop up the videos in a way and I use the parts and fragments of everyone's set to tell a story of the championships in my own language just as I would if I was using vinyl Yeah, so that helped keep me to to, to, the, to the ground but um yeah, it, it, it pretty much is really hard to, okay. to spend the time I used to spend on tables. Yeah, no yeah, worries.
0: No, that's all good. I kind of figured that. You sound mm. like you're busy with it all, so it's all good. Um, but yeah, no. Yeah. Thank you very much for your time on this. I really do appreciate it. My it's been absolutely amazing mm. speaking to you because, like I say, I've been uh, one of the uh, DJs I've followed for ages, and this this like DJ series I'm running I'm at the drink. moment has been amazing, speaking to all these DJs. <laughs> so, And to actually speak to you after. Well, you, send
1: us a link of the your
0: I will. I will Certainly
1: I c- send us a link of your past shows.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, I will do. I- well, man. Thank mm. you again. I really appreciate it. And um, Pleasure, thank you. I mean, I know it's late, but thank you for the thing. And have a good rest of your evening. And uh, I hope all thank you, you and your family are safe. And I've got, got to go and put a
1: show together right after this. Actually. Oh, okay. <laughs> I've got to a show after this, but yeah, no rest of the wicked.
0: No, none indeed. <laughs> um, <laughs> all right, cool, man. Thank you very much. Have a good uh, good all evening. Right, thank you.
1: You too, mate. And thank you again. I look forward to hearing the show. Excellent, man. Thank you. All right, Bye bye. Keep up the good work. I will do.
0: I will do. Peace, peace.